You're listening to the Cannabis Investing Network. Before we begin, a short disclaimer. The full disclaimer follows at the end of this episode. This podcast is a general communication and is being provided for entertainment and information purposes only. It is educational in nature and is not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose. Please enjoy responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Cannabis Investing Network. My name is Manish and I'm here with the new and improved Abby 2.0. The new and improved. I'm either new or improved, you pick. <laughs> I'll take uh, Abby 2.0 though. There you go. Well, the, the reason for that uh, intro, Abby, is that today we're going to be talking about Cannabis 2.0. Um, new and improved cannabis. Yes, sir. Well, the, the new product formats... Um, today is January 31st, 2020, and what we're going to be talking about today is the first impressions of Cannabis 2.0. It's been long awaited. Um, it's been, you know, a sort of light at the end of the tunnel that investors have been pinning their hopes on. And since we're located right here in Toronto, I think we've got a very good um, boots on the ground look at what's going on. So we're going to talk about you know, what we've seen, how the rollout's been, um, you know, some products specifically, and maybe some predictions for what happens next. Yeah. Sounds exciting. So, Cannabis 2.0, um, you know, just a quick refresher. Uh, on October 17th, I think, 2019, yeah. it was officially legal to um, have 2.0 products, which were, you know, derivative-type products like edibles and vapes. Um, as well as, you know, uh, rosins and, uh, you know, things that people put in dab rigs and all kinds yeah. of stuff. The like high that. concentration products. Right? High con- Yeah, thank you. Yeah. High concentration products. Um, and although it was technically legal on October 17th, that was when companies could submit to Health Canada. So it took some time for Health Canada to review and then approve, and then companies would start manufacturing. So right. uh, we didn't actually see product become available, at least here in Ontario, uh, until about Jan- uh, dis- sorry, January 16th, give or take. A week and a half ago, I'd say. Yeah, so somewhere in that Jan 16th week, yeah. it, beca- it was available a little quicker in the brick-and-mortar stores. And I then- thought it came on the website first. No, 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 it was brick-and-mortar first, oh, okay. and then I think Jan 16th was a date that uh, you could buy it on the OCS. Uh, okay. Um, so that was... Uh, there was a lot of technical issues. It was a flood of people trying to buy product. and How quickly uh, did it sell out? I think within two hours or so, the edibles yeah. were completely gone. Yeah. Uh, the vapes took a little bit longer, but they also sold out. Um, now, two weeks later, you can, you you know, edibles basically sell out immediately whenever they get restocked. Right. There are still a good amount of vapes on there. Sure. So vapes do sell out, but they get replenished quickly as well. Sure. You know what this tells me? What does it tell you? There's an insatiable demand for high concentration products, which means extraction services companies can capitalize on this because there is biomass that there's they have extraction capacity that needs to be utilized for them to make this oil. So this is like great news because you and I, we've been screaming mm-hmm. on microphones, literally, mm-hmm. extraction is where you want to be. Yes. This is why. This is why you want to be an extraction. Yes, this definitely bodes well for the extraction companies, no question. Yeah, yeah. And 
so so I guess first thoughts. Um, so when this came out, first of all, I, I was very excited for this um, as a investor, yes, but also just as a enthusiast. I really was excited to see the new product formats. And we've been saying for a while that, you know, don't, you know, the, the, the area that in which Canada kind of has a competitive advantage is that for the product formats, a lot of money has been invested, uh, more money than anywhere else, right? So this was, this is always going to be a very exciting reveal for what we're going to see, right? Um, I would say originally, I'd say the original rollout, the initial rollout, sorry, um, a little underwhelming, to be honest with you. And it, it goes to a long running point that I always say, which is uh, you have to build in some buffer room into your analysis and projections. So everybody looked at October 17th and they said, okay, Health Canada said there's going to be a 60-day window, so we're going to be able to buy edibles, you know, right before Christmas, right? And lo and behold, we we couldn't. We missed the Christmas window, and we could buy them in January, right? So yeah. just shows you that when it comes to government and rollouts and things like that. They're always on time, <laughs> right to a T. Well, things always take longer than yeah, you think. Yeah, that's true. Right? That's true. So that's, that's the first point. Um, I would say that... What's been interesting to see is that there are way fewer edible products than there are vape products. So I think this has to do with the manufacturing rules. The edible manufacturing rules are that you need to have a sort of specialized facility with regards to edibles. And I think it can be inside of your facility, but the nature of it um, is such that I guess it's harder to build out and get approved. And it seems to be easier to get a, you know, vape filling machine approved because we've got like 20-ish edible products. We've got uh, over 50 vape products and more companies are doing vapes than are doing edibles. So, yeah, I don't know. There's That definitely makes sense. Um, another theory that I have mm-hmm. is that it's easier to create a brand with vapes than it is with edibles because, you know, people walk around with the vape stick or the pen, sorry. Uh, sure. Whereas with an edible, you know, you have it in a wrapper or whatever, but you just eat it and you put the wrapper away, right? Okay, interesting. So I think theory. a lot of companies, again, this is a theory. A lot, I think a lot of companies are like, hey, like you know, we got to make a brand. What's the quick? What's the best way to do it? What are people going to be puffing back on? Sure. Mm, so but I, I mean, if you look at it from a okay, that's a good point. I never thought about that. But from a manufacturing perspective, um, you know, you have to 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 get to a vape, you make distillate, right? Yeah. To get to an edible you make distillate and then you have to also make the food item, right? You see yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. it's, it's clearly one large step beyond what it takes to fill a vape cartridge. Do people, when they're making, so I, I don't know the answer to this, so this is a legitimate question. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm not going to know the answer either, so. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you anyways. I'll ask you anyways. Great. Great. No, so, but like. The blinding the blind over yeah. here. <laughs> so when people, so when you're manufacturing, let's just say a gummy, do you do the extraction and make the gummy or do you buy the extraction from someone and then send it off to somebody else to make the gummy? Does that make sense? Yes, but what you're asking is kind of nebulous because it just all depends what your business model is. So if you are, for example, like Ollie Brands, Ollie Brands is going to buy the concentrate from Medifarm Labs and then they're going to have the facility where they make the edibles, right? Gotcha. But then if you look at Ace Valley, so Ace Valley is the cannabis arm of Ace Hill, um, 
Ace Valley is not going to do either. Ace Valley is going to go to all the brands and say, okay, you're going to white label our, you know, fruit chews for us, right? So you're going to buy the concentrate from labs. You're going to make it. You're going to slap our logo on it. And you're going to sell it to the OCS. So we're not going to touch the plant at all. Right. So it just depends. But there's and then Valens, for example, um, which is, you know, the competitor to Medifarm is, is going to eventually... Um, create the you know distillate or the um, input p- product, and they're also going to create the edible. Okay, right? so, so Valens has that like the scenario you described. Yes, where, well, that's yeah. their vision. They don't, to my right. understanding, they haven't gotten into the edibles yet. No, they have. Right, so that also again tells me that whatever the fit out or requirement is for edibles, it's more stringent um, and requires more whatever than than just doing the distillate and the vapes. Yeah, that's that's my take on it. Right, because I know for the vapes that, you know, it's mostly the manufacturers will get it. Somebody else will fill the cartridge. They'll get, outsource the battery somewhere else with their logo. Right. They just package it and they ship well, it. Well, again, for vapes, though, and we've always talked about this, like vertical integration doesn't make sense. So God, at no. some point, we're going to get into specialization. People are going to be, you know, white labeling vapes for other people. It, everybody, People are going to stop trying to do everything at some point. It's going to become a game of, okay, look, I'm good at doing for example, I'm good at, you know, making edibles, right? Right. So I'm going to maybe have my own brand of edibles, but I'll also white label edibles for other people. Yeah. I'm not going to grow the weed. I'm not going to extract the weed. I'm not going to create the distillate. I'm just going to create edibles, right? So that's where people will start to play in the value chain. And, um, you know, they'll pick and choose their spots. Yeah. Basically, right? So anyway, getting getting into edibles themselves, um, here's what I what I noticed. First of all, super short supply. I think this will become the bottleneck for the at least the first couple months. Uh, and then it will probably start to turn around. Uh, there's a 10 milligram limit on THC uh, in a package of edibles. So typically what you're seeing is if you buy a chocolate bar, for example, there'll be five pieces and each piece will have two milligrams. So if you are familiar with black market um, dosage, you would look at 10 milligrams and say, this is stupid. You know, 10 milligrams is nothing. Uh, you know, that's, I, I normally take 50, like not me, but I'm saying people say that, yeah, that they, five, you know, I need, I, need, I need 50 to feel anything. Yeah. If I got to buy five chocolate bars, it's like eight bucks a chocolate bar. Yeah. It's $40 and I'm going to get diabetes trying to get high. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. But again, I've always, I've said from the beginning, one of the things about the black market, because it's unregulated, is you think you're eating 50 milligrams of THC. That's probably more like 10 or 20, in my opinion. Maybe. Or it could be more, you know? The, the variance is... Well, apparently the rule is, the the sort of, uh, you know, the, the code is that whatever number you put on your package, you can be less than that, but you can't be more than that. So they oh, always okay. overestimate it. Gotcha. gotcha. So that people like, you know, will will not do something stupid with it essentially. Right. Which right? makes sense. So it's not like you're you're you think you're eating ten, but you're actually eating a hundred. Yeah, there's it's the other way around. Right. Yeah. So that's that's the idea behind it, I guess. But there was sorry, good. I don't know that that's you know, I've just been told that. I don't know that that's real. Gotcha. Yeah. Somebody somebody else was talking about capsules. Okay. Um, and they were saying that they actually prefer capsules over all other methods now. So if you think about it, right? Capsules are the most efficient way yeah. to do it, right? Um, and they're usually the most cost-effective because from the company's perspective, you're taking the raw input ingredient, sticking it into a pill, and there you go, right? Or like a capsule, yeah, well, liquid gel or whatever. Yeah, sure, right? Yeah. But uh, but um, that's the point is it's super efficient, right? Yeah. So similarly, if you are 
you know, a heavy cannabis user and 10 milligrams isn't doing it for you under the Canadian rules, you can buy larger, uh, you can buy, you know, liquid gels or oils or whatever that are higher dosage, right? So that is possible. What I've noticed is, you know, like I don't particularly, you know, I'm kind of picky about what I eat and I try to be careful to avoid sugar. Um, but as soon as I get into that dispensary or I'm on the site, for some reason I go straight for the gummies. Gummies? Oh, nice. It goes, and I, I've made like a hierarchy list here. Um, and this is sort of like, uh, this is my subconscious at work here. Like I didn't really even actively notice this until until later on, but it went gummies, then chocolates, uh, and that's like a big drop-off. So like I'd way rather have a gummy than a chocolate. And then I'd way rather have the chocolate than everything else. So then you get into the, right now what you have is like you have mints, so Aurora has mints. Um, and then a couple different companies have teas, right? Okay. So can, I, so can I ask you something? Sure. So non-cannabis related, mm-hmm. do you like gummies over chocolates? Um, yes. Like if I was to kind of pig out, then like, sure, gummies would probably be better than chocolate. I'm not a huge chocolate guy. Although I'd say like, yeah, no, for sure. Gummies over See, chocolate. See, for me, that's outrageous because I'm a chocolate person or a gummy person. <laughs> okay. Like, for sure. Okay. And like, like I, I haven't done any, I haven't tried any of the, the 2.0 products yet. Um, but I was, but as you were saying that, cause you're like, oh, this is something sure. that was shocking to you. But like, so you do like the gummies, like Correct. even if they don't have it over Correct. the chocolate. Correct. But this is one thing that I find strange is that I know you mm-hmm. as a tea guy. Yes. You love tea. That's so what that, I was about to say. Okay. Cause I was wondering, I'm like, why is tea so yes. low? I yes. thought you'd be like, listen. Great point. Yeah. Okay. Great point. So I did try the tea. It did absolutely nothing for me. Um, I think there are, it's just, and I've read some reviews online that were pretty good, right? So it's kind of mixed. So my personal experience was not great. It can also be the product, right? Because you can do, um, and this is, I think what will be one of the challenges of 2.0, by the way, is that people will go, okay, tea, that sounds cool. And they'll buy a tea. And it's, by the way, all of these things are insanely expensive. Like the tea, I think I paid like $12 or $15 for a tea. Per bag or like per yeah, whatever? Yeah, I, I can't remember now what it was. I know the CBD was like, I, I think I paid $16 for three um, tea bags. So like five bucks a, a tea bag. So that wasn't that bad. Yeah. But uh, I think the THC tea was like 10 or 12 bucks for one tea bag. That's um, insane. To, like well, put that well, in perspective of non-cannabis tea, it's like 10 cents yeah, a bag. Yeah, sure, sure. But I, I mean, the, the flip side too is like, these are the early days. There's super limited supply. You know, like it comes online and it sells out in two seconds. Yeah. Why wouldn't you charge a premium? You almost right. have oh, for, to charge course, a premium. It's the same as flour, right? When when flour came out in 1.0, it yeah. was crazy expensive and it all sold out. And then over time, now you look at it a year later, the prices are pretty reasonable. Actually, you can buy, you know, you can buy five dollar flour. You can buy eight dollar flour. Like it's it is a lot more reasonable now, right? Yeah. So that will happen with 2.0 as well. But for the time being, like. You know, they're selling it at outrageous prices. Why not, right? Yeah. Uh, that's just supply and demand, right? And it's, for these guys, it was also very expensive to manufacture because the, the input product, the, the you know, concentrate was very expensive as well. Right. Right. So you got to be fair to them as well. So anyway, what I found with the tea was this particular one that I tried with, I think that was Haven Street, did not really do it for me, um, did not really feel anything, honestly. And then- But it was a CBD tea. Uh, well, no, I tried both. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so I don't, I don't know if, even know if I've tried the CBD tea yet. I, I think I have it on my shelf, but that's my point is that the, the original tea that I tried kind of turned me off. Gotcha. And then, so I didn't even bother to go try the other ones, even though I've already have them 
paid for, right? Yeah. So that just kind of shows you, I think, what one of the difficulties w- will be with 2.0 mm-hmm. is that, you know, we we both talk about a lot beverages, right? Yeah. And the fact that beverages are a very interesting and exciting category. Yeah. But th- there's a very real challenge with beverages, and that is that um, people, they're not necessarily in demand, right? You have to kind of sell them to people, right? Like people aren't going in and saying, I want a beverage uh, because they're not really used to it. Right? Yeah. You look at the black market. What are the best sellers in the black market? Gummies. Vapes, too. Gu- well, edibles, yeah. I'm saying. So, oh, sorry, sorry. So yeah. gummies and then chocolates, right? Yeah. Lo and behold, those seem to be kind of the same best sellers or the the best kind of products in the initial rollout of 2.0. So um, changing that ingrained behavior, I think, will be difficult. Yeah. And I might be willing to try a beverage. Like, I, I obviously want to, but I'm saying the average person might be like, yeah, I'll try a beverage, and then they try one, and it's kind of crap. Yeah. And that turns them off of all beverages. For a long time, yeah. Exactly. And then now, you know, you've got 20 different beverages coming out. You know, if you try the wrong one out of 20... Probably not going to try. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then how do you capture this consumer? Because remember, it's very hard to market to them. There's a large category of people who drink alcohol who would, you know, give a cannabis... I don't want to say beer, but like a beer type beverage, a drink. Um, and I think I think they're like if somebody gets it right, and I think somebody will get it right, I think it could be a hit. My concern is that you're gonna have a hard time actually getting people to a try it, and then b try it again and remember it or so, like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so what I realized. So so by the way, I went to Nova Cannabis um, on Queen Street West because. I didn't want to wait for it to come out online. So, and I was very curious, what's the experience going to be like when I go there, right? Yeah. And I was, so I get there and now, mind you, this is Toronto in January. It was cold outside, but it was after work on a Thursday. It's actually pretty balmy right now for no, Toronto. This, no, when I went though, when I went, oh, it was, okay, it was okay. a cold day. So, um, I, you know, I get there, no lineup outside. Okay. And remember, we are in super limited license mode. This is downtown Toronto. This is one of like three dispensaries in Toronto. Yeah. Okay. I get there, no line. Okay. I go in, uh, there's basically two areas, if you will, right? One area, huge line. Second area, you know, busy-ish, but not really a line, okay? What was the first area? It was for flour. Okay. The second area, 2.0 products. So I go to the 2.0 products. Now, they were sold out of all the edibles except for mints, so I got the mints, and they were, um, the vapes, they had a pretty good selection of, of various vapes. What did you go in to buy? Uh, I really wanted, I, I, you know, to be honest, I wanted kind of whatever I could get my hands on. But ideally, I would have been more of the the edibles, like the uh, I wanted vapes and edibles, but I yeah. wanted sort of the that you know the gummies and the chocolates and that kind of stuff. Right, that, that okay. was my hope to get. And those. mints were like the ones that you're like ah. No, I was. You know what? To be honest with you, I was interested in the mints because I'm very interested in these different product formats. So I kind of yeah. wanted to try everything, right? So I was cool with those. But are there any like sublinguals that are out yet? Um, no, there's again, very limp. Well, sublingual though, you know, there's oils that are already out that were oh, part yeah, of yeah, 1.0, which are really sublinguals, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Aurora is working on a breath strip though. Sorry. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. So that, that should be coming out soon. Um, and again, there's, I'm sure there's a ton of product formats that are going to come out. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're going to hit the inflection point probably in a, probably somewhere in the six month mark where suddenly we've got too many products. So I think we're just going to see a complete repeat of 1.0 where it's like we have nothing now, everything's sold out immediately, 
Um, doesn't matter the quality of the product, it just sells immediately. And then it, the switch will flip at some point. Yeah. Right. So I, I, that is, I think that is coming. But, you know, from where we are right now, we've still got some time to go. Yeah. Right. So anyway, the, the point I'm getting at is that I was sitting there and I was like, this 2.0 is going to be a problem because I'm looking at the products in their little shelves and in the glass display case or whatever. It's very hard, even with the 2.0, to differentiate the products. Like the the marketing and the packaging rules themselves are just so, so difficult. So first of all, you have way too much packaging. And the reason is because they have so many labels, so many like health labels that they have on there that even a tiny little vape cartridge has to have a giant box. Okay. So you might, so obviously that's bad for the environment, but what you might forget, what you might miss in all of this is that it's actually really bad for business because your box is probably two or three times bigger than it has to be. Okay. So think about now storage and warehousing and shipping. Mm -hmm. So, Hey, at this early stage in the game, it's not a big deal because we have a supply shortage, right? Of 2.0 products. Yeah. But as we move on, right? Like everything is packaged two to three times too big. Right. You could be, it's going to be really inefficient for your warehousing and your transportation and your, you know, your stocking of shelves. But didn't we have this issue with 1.02? Not so much because, um, well, I mean, look, we... Over, I should really go to a dispensary. Over, over, <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like I've asked the dumbest yeah. question. Well, right well no, no, no. It, it's a fair question. But the thing is that if you look at sort of a, a jar that it comes in, right? Yeah. The one gram cannabis, yes, it's probably packaged way too much. Yeah. But the three and a half and the seven is probably okay. Gotcha. Right? Or the, you know, the original stash... 28 gram bag, it's fine. Like, because I remember the joints, the pre rolled joints. Yeah, those have get. way too much packaging. Yeah, right. Great so point. that's way what I'm much. picturing totally. the vapes to be. But the one that I'm looking at for vapes, the benefit that I'm seeing is that, you know, vapes have a longer, it's a more stable product with a longer shelf life. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. All the 2.0 products yeah. have, have a much better shelf life. So I think, I think it's still a good evolution in the right step. Oh, listen, this is good for the market and for the companies and the consumers. Absolutely. Right. right? Okay. But the point I'm getting at is that when I was looking at all this, you know, sort of, it's not even a sea of vapes. It's only, there's only, let's say when I went there, 15 different kinds of vapes. It's very hard to differentiate them. Like you're looking at them and you're like, okay, I'm looking at an, a box of Aurora Drift, right? And it's, the packaging is nicer now than it was in 1.0 because you've got a slick box. It's got one color. It's got the logo. So it is nicer. But you're looking at it, and, and remember, I'm, like, in this. I'm, like, trying to look at everything closely because I'm looking at it from an investment perspective, right? Yeah. You can't tell what is what. Like, I'm looking at a box, and I'm like, okay, it's Aurora. I'm like, what is this? Is it an edible? Is this a vape? It's in tiny, tiny print. But did you, but you went up to the shelf and grabbed it yourself, right? It wasn't uh, like no, a bud it, tender didn't help you. Yeah, okay, so there are bud tenders there, absolutely. But then what happens is it was, like, a glass case, and you can see the the box on the other side of the glass case. Okay. So all I'm saying is like when I'm standing on the glass and looking at, you know, 15 different products, right. I literally can't tell what is a vape and what is a, oh, I, okay. I, I don't know what it is. And you're not like you, what you put it on the thing is you can put your logo at a decent size now, but your box is covered with everything else. So even to find out that it's a grape flavored gummy, you have to read the fine print. Oh, wow. It's crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying, a lot of people have pinned their hopes on 2.0. Yeah. Um, 
just looking at that, I was like, oh boy, like this is not the savior everybody wanted. Like, yes, obviously there's going to be winners in all of this. And the companies like Oxley, who was kind of first to market with a lot of these edibles, um, Aurora, who is right in there with a lot of the edibles and vapes, and uh, Afria, who is a big player in the vapes, obviously they're going to benefit from this, right? And and obviously a lot of people are going to benefit from this. All I'm saying is, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of problems with product differentiation, um, and I think the consumer is not really necessarily gonna know what they're buying. Right, but the, but the thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, you can't just go buy, you can't just go grab that product, right? Somebody has to go get it for you. Yeah, agreed. Like the the bud tenders, you're right. The bud tenders have to right. grab it for you. So you could be like, hey, um, can I have some help or whatever? But you have to know what help is. Or oh, sorry, <laughs> I thought help was a brand. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. wow. You have to know what brand you're looking for. Oh my goodness, right? we're having fun tonight, huh? <laughs> but you've got to know what brand you're looking for, right? So, I mean, I think there's a lot of power in the bud tender. Um, Absolutely. So these companies could kind of... Look who's coming around to the dispensary is key now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually... T- I, That's I'm, my I'm, point. You're coming around to what we debated forever ago, that the dispensary is going to have a lot of power. I uh, Hold on. Mm-hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. I agreed in the short term, but I said eventually once people get the once brand, they figure out what's going on, then they just they'll they'll just go yeah, right, and, and and we'll see. And and I think that right. actually, I, you know, if I was to make a cannabis brand, I'd call it Help. <laughs> Can I get some help, please? Sure, here you go. That's you know, what I do. You know, it's funny is because I was thinking about this. Uh, you you know, you can one of the good ways you brand now is your is is how you name the strains. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Dosist, which we we've talked about forever, is now come to Canada. So they which did I still a, can't pronounce. They did. Yeah, it's true. So they did a licensing deal with um, with Afria. So they've got their vapes in in all these stores now, and you know one thing I liked about them is they always marketed their strains based on states. So they would have sleep, calm, you know, arouse, passion. Right. Um, so that's how. You know, that's, in my opinion, what customers want to see. Yeah, like, right? I want to go to sleep. Exactly. It, it, you can look at it, you know exactly what it's supposed to do, right? Yeah. Like, this guy wants to get aroused. He's going to have a good time <laughs> well, today. That's, that's what it's for, my friend. That's what it's for. So your your brand of help could be like, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> help, I would like to get up. Um, yeah, so so that could be your help brand right sleep. there. Yeah, exactly. So to bring it to a close here, just just to give some people some closing thoughts. Um, by the way, just to list off some of the best products I've seen so far, uh, the Tokyo Smoke Chocolates, the Go and the Paws were really were both uh, quite good actually. Um, the Aurora Grape Gummies I thought were actually quite good, um, and then on the vape side, um, San Rafael Seventy One, which is an Aurora brand, uh, has a, a vape called the Tangerine Dream, and I got to tell you. Whatever terps they're adding into these vapes, they are delicious. <laughs> they, are, uh, yeah. they are really, Tastes really like good. Tangerines. Oh, it's it's nice. And then Cove, um, which is Peace Naturals, which is owned by Kronos, has one called Revive. Yeah. And that has like a very minty taste to it. And that one was also very I thought cool. you weren't allowed to do that. So you are, I think you are for cannabis. I think you're allowed to have these, uh, you're allowed to add certain terps back to the but it has to be naturally um, occurring in the plant. You can't I be don't like cotton know, candy. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know the answer to your question. I think as long as it's not appealing to kids, you might be okay. Yeah. I don't know the rules. Because I, yeah, I wasn't. I can tell you that I, uh, you know, I'm. I would be surprised if these were fully naturally occurring terps. You know, the, the way gotcha. that the way that the flavoring is. Yeah. Um, but I thought those were some cool ones. Uh, sorry. Last point to point out here. 
Um, I made a chart here of the four biggest provinces, Ontario, Quebec, Alberta, BC. Vapes will be fully available in Ontario. They're fully banned in Quebec. Alberta has them on hold until the spring at the minimum. And BC has a 20% tax on top of all the taxes for vapes. Right. That's not good. That's bad news, right? We only have really one of the big provinces where you can get vapes. And the other kind of big province, BC, that's about 20 million people now out of 40. Yeah. Uh, it's half the country doesn't have vapes. Half the country does. That's not good. Then on the edible side, Quebec has banned all edibles that have sweet uh, sugar in them, right? So you can only basically get the teas or whatever there. Yeah. That's a big problem because Quebec has 12 well, million well, I people. I mean, like, in all, all honesty, Quebec's going to see, like, border towns, right? People are going to start going across the border yes. to get it. Just kind of like what we do right now for alcohol. Yes. They're well, not us, that. but 18-year-olds. Yeah, yes. exactly. Correct. But, like, and then yes. they'll do for Canada. Yes, but at the end of the day, it's still a problem, right? So that's yeah. going to hamper sales, and that's an issue. Right. So there you go. There's a little intro to 2.0. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of keep you guys updated as new stuff rolls out. I personally am very excited for the beverages, and I want to see what the various companies come out with next. So what I would love to hear from you, the audience, is what products have you tried? What products are you the most interested, impressed by? And uh, do you agree with our assessment or do you think we're off? For sure. And CINpodcast at gmail.com. And if there were, if you guys have answers to any of the questions that we asked each other during the podcast where we didn't know the answers to, please, please, please let us know. <laughs> Thanks, guys. This podcast is a general communication and entertainment being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purposes. Any examples used in this podcast are generic, hypothetical, and for entertainment purposes only. None of Cannabis Investing Network or its affiliates are suggesting that the listener or any other person take a specific course of action or any action at all. Communications such as this are not impartial and are provided in connection with advertising and marketing of products and services. Prior to making any investment or financial decisions, an investor should seek individualized advice from, from a personal financial, legal, tax, and other professional advisor that take into account all of the particular facts and circumstances for an investor's own situation. By listening to this communication, you agree with the intended purpose described earlier. Opinions and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice. We believe the information provided here is reliable, but should not be assumed to be accurate or complete. The views and st strategies described may not be suitable for all investors.